hello and welcome to a podcast which is long in the way. It is about three years, I think, since we last did a podcast. Must be close to that. Yeah, um, formerly known as Loco Sport, we are now back. We'll be publishing this on a, a blog that we all hold close to our heart <laughs> called From the Halfway Line. Yes, there's so much content on that website right now. And uh, we don't actually have a name for this podcast, so it might, one might come through as we begin to talk. But um, yeah, so this is going to be a new weekly podcast, we do believe, uh, more or take. less. Hopefully, and hopefully. And it's going to be small focus podcasts, hopefully, again, 30 to 40 minutes, but we've been known to ramble on a bit, as I'm doing now. And uh, a quick introduction of who we are. So we've got Ben. Hello. What, what do you want to say? Go ahead yourself and say who you are to give a bit of context to everyone listening. Okay, so this is this is interesting to see what you think of yourself. So I'm Ben, and I think primarily on this podcast, I'm going to be the um, depressed Fulham fan. The focus of this this podcast, at least. Anymore? Is, is, is that the that's summary of your life? My entire it? life, yes. Okay, well, Joe, summarise your life. Hello, I'm Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we all went to university together, didn't we? All mm-hmm. studied journalism together. Um, I work for Sky Sports freelance as a sports writer. I am a Chelsea fan, um, but I will try my best to be impartial. Mm, particularly important today on this Fulham podcast. Yes, because there's so much rivalry between Chelsea and Fulham. And who are you, Lucas? Um, as, as you said, I'm Lucas. Um, <laughs> I am a football analyst and specialising in Iceland. Yes, Iceland. Yes. But, um, and nothing more, really. Just, that's me. But I will be hosting today's podcast, not always, but seeing as Ben is the uh, resident Fulham expert, season ticket holder, always a good thing to say, isn't it? it well, it is when you're winning. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to get uh, straight on, I think. Um, this is going to be a podcast about Fulham's relegation, like in coming up from the championship, what's happened this season, what's gone wrong. And I think over to you, Ben, for a brief summary of... So, so the story story starts at this point probably four years ago with the Shahid Khan and Tony Khan coming into the club buying it off of the ever lovable Mohamed Al Fayed. Fast forward to last season, uh, sort of middle of the season, we were looking like a mid-table team, not didn't have much going for us really, um, and a really good January transfer window bringing in Matt Target and more importantly <laughs> Alexander Mitrovic. Well, I'll say more importantly, they're probably equally important really, and it just took us on a run a 23 game unbeaten run enough so, to get me to go to the cottage yes <laughs> and then to Wembley yeah uh, where we defied the odds and managed to get promoted and that's sort of where the problem comes from uh, as we watched Dynamo Kiev yeah, <laughs> miss an absolute sitter <laughs> I'll give a bit of contest we're also watching <laughs> Dynamo Kiev against Chelsea 3-0 6-0 in aggregate and uh, so that was distracting Ben a little bit there. Apologies. But, but um, yeah, as we said, when they come up from the championship, it's well documented that Fulham spent a lot of money. And I do have the exact total according to Transmart in front of me, which is 100 million and 800,000. It's, it's a lot of money. I'm, I'm thinking that must be a Premier League record. I think it is a record for a promoted side, yeah. Mm. Well, we are, we are spent Wolves, who have been known, we have a reputation almost under their new owners for spending a lot of money and bringing in, you know, international quality players. And I think we spent about £30 million more than they did. The context being that we finished last season with six lone players in our squads, a small squad already. Mm. We had a couple of players leaving the summer as well. And I think 12 first-team players reported back to training on the first day of pre-season. 
So it's a, a good, lot of it's a good core. It, well, it wasn't a good core. <laughs> sort of Jallo was in that core, um, but we, so we had to bring players in. And when you're in the Premier League and you're trying to strengthen with Premier League quality players, it's going to cost a lot of money. Unfortunately, we spent lots of money on a, on players who aren't Premier League quality, which is you know some of, some of the reason it's all gone wrong. Mm. So um, going through to the transfer window, might as well get straight onto that because that was obviously the it was everything for this season. Um, 100 billion spent. I'll read out a few of the fees here. So it's 27 million for Jean Mikhail Seri, 22 million for Angisa, 18 for Mitrovic, 15 million on one Alfie Mawson. If anyone's seen him, please let us know. Spotted Mawson. <laughs> and then we move on to like Joe Bryan, 6 million, Fabry, 5 million. And looking at that, Joe, what is your, your thoughts? It's just an obscene amount of money to have been wasted. Um, I think what summed it up for me with Fulham there were two things really one was deadline day I think you signed was it five players? five players in on deadline day which Mm. just smacks of desperation it smacks of a recruitment team not knowing what they're doing and secondly coming up with Marcus Bettinelli who I think is he's a decent keeper probably given he was your number one keeper last season he's homegrown probably deserved to start the season as your number one and he did but you brought in Fabry, who, again, like Mawson, the lesser spotted Fabry. Yes. Um, and Sergio Rico, who I believe is on deadline day. Yep. So you then suddenly are in a position where you have three number one goalkeepers. Fabry, I think, was brought in on your, was it the Yukanovich's goalkeeping coach's recommendation? Yes, yes. Um, that coach lasted six weeks after that was signing yeah I think Fabry I think uh, he's made two starts in the Premier League Mm. yes Um, first two games of the season Bettinelli was dropped and I think he's is he out for the season injured yeah he he reached a point I think about a month ago where he approached Ranieri Mm. who we'll get on to later (laughs) Um, and he he asked have I I got a chance of making it back into the first team Ranieri obviously didn't give him the answer he wanted and so a knee issue he's had for ever since he clashed with Matt Smith he got fixed, which ruled him out for the season. I'd fair play to him if he's yeah, not going to yeah. play football. Mm. Get yourself sorted out. But that I, in itself is a comical story. I just think that's a ridiculous situation, how you've gone from having, as you said, no goalkeepers basically turning up for training, apart from Bettinelli, mm. to three first-choice goalkeepers and making five signings on deadline day. I think that was just kind of a uh, and then, precursor to your season. And then immediately going back to Bettinelli, once you sign two, I think... Both internationals? Uh, Rico, I think Rico has got a Spanish Rico's cap. probably got a cap, I think. I don't know if Fabri does. But, um, yeah, then going from buying two goalkeepers. They've played Champions League football. Yeah, to know. then going back to Marcus Bettinelli within four or five games, I think it two was. Matches. Two matches. Two matches. Two matches. It might have been more, but I can. I was there for the Crystal Palace game where Fabri made a pretty big error for the second goal. Um, and I was there for the Spurs game where he made... Quite a few saves. We were just peppered all game. And then that was it. That was sort of all we saw from Fabry this season. He's now on the bench because of Bessinelli's injury. Um, I would not put it past Fulham to have a goalkeeper sent off at some point this season. It would sort of complete the set. So we might see Fabry again. One thing I will say about the goalkeepers as well. I mean, I don't know what they're supposed to do to change this, but everyone seems quite content not playing. I don't see any like Fabri's I see is like all his social media is just like him looking to be enjoying his new life in London. Oh, he's loving London, isn't he? Yeah. It's just it's the epitome of what Fulham is. It's yes. just like a gentleman's club. 
by the river <laughs> and they're enjoying they're enjoying being reserves in this squad and it's just, I don't blame them I'm, well I imagine that's because we've brought them in out of desperation they're probably on a lot better wages than they should be and so they're being paid more over the odds to do mm. and a lot of times nothing well they're tra- being paid to train mm. I which think- is quite a nice job isn't it really I think um, moving on as well, the thing that I think Bettinelli is part of that. Um, the thing that really struck me from Fulham when they got promoted, and I'm I'm saying this all in hindsight because I got caught up a lot in Fulham signs. I think it's important to say that while we sit here and criticise them now, at the time, I was back on Fulham to comfortably stay up. So that is, I'll admit that. But um, looking back at it now, one thing I will say is there's no core. The, there was a core. Like when you see teams that have been promoted over the years, um, teams like Bournemouth who have survived, they had Steve Cook, Andrew Sermon, those kind of players, and they kept them, they kept them in the team. You look at other teams like Cardiff now, they're obviously not likely to go down as well, but they're keeping Sol Bamba, they're keeping. Even Wolves have got a core. Mm. You look at um, like Cody, Bennett, Bolly, that was their back three last yeah, season. Doherty. Uh, Neves was there last season obviously like massively punching above their weight having Neves but yes. still you know if even Wolves you've got access to Jorge Mendes' yeah. stable of players they've got a core of you know guys like Bennett and Cody yeah. there's something to be said for it and I think Fulham's core was well they had the centre-back partnership never really settled it, it was it was Callis and Adoy and Reem well, yeah and, and yeah so that never really settled not, I don't think you can call that a core but one the one thing I struck me definitely was the call was Kevin McDonald and Johansson in midfield. Yes, with Them Tom sitting Kearney. there with Tom Kearney. That was Fulham. That was the the three players who didn't miss a game. They got you promoted. Yeah. And then I think this season Kevin McDonald's made roughly seven appearances, I'd say. Yeah, he's just come back into Obviously the team just, with Parker. That's boosted by his three under Scott Parker recently. Yeah. Uh, Johansson was used once or twice. Sparingly. And then and he's, now on, he's now out on loan. Yep, and so these are two players that have played over 35 games 40 games for you last season yeah. and then they're just disregarded as soon as you get up I think the problem was Jukanovic was given a lot of players that he probably wasn't expecting to get and probably wouldn't have a lot of them he wouldn't have asked for they, wouldn't, mm. they weren't the type of players that played his style of football so but, again these are signings that were made by Fulham's stats department yes well Tony Khan and his advisors which we'll mm. get on to but I think Jukanovic probably almost felt forced into giving all these players a, a go, mm. and having and that's well, we it was uh, in the media of saying how much we were changing our back four, how we never had a same back four, how it took us until we played Newcastle away uh, three days before Christmas before we got a clean sheet in the league. Mm. We couldn't settle on a team, and it's because you know we brought five players on deadline day, so we had two days to work out if any of those five were good enough to come into the team. Before then, we had. You know, a smaller, smallish squad still, but nothing was settled. And you're right, that core was abandoned pretty quickly. Again, Kearney starts the season injured, mm. as he starts every season injured. When he's fully fit, he's one of our best players, but we can't rely on him in August to be playing for us. And that's 4 0 to Chelsea, True as Olivier Giroud completes his hat trick and then <laughs> finishes his sentence. But then um, Tom Kearney, yeah, like I said, he's not a regular. Even though he's come back from injury, he's definitely been left out of the squad on just a tactical basis. Sessignon, a uh, player who was absolutely crucial to your promotion, as was Kearney, left out regularly. Yes, and this is Claudio Ranieri in a nutshell, I suppose, mm. who didn't see. Well, uh, for Fulham fans, 
even when he was 16 years old and just getting to the first team, you kind of it's referred to Sessegnon as a man. He was a man in the squad. You know, he was he was playing first team football, and after two months, Ranieri decided that he'd call him a boy, and like it's even just like that psychological mm. psychological thing in his head being like I don't actually trust this guy to be playing first team football and it showed because he picked Ryan Babel ahead of him he was picking Aita ahead of him Niskins Cabano ahead of him um, Lazar Markovic came on for him at West Ham that's his only appearance in the Premier League Markovic. and hopefully that will only be his only appearance in the <laughs> Premier League um, it's it's a real shame for Sessegnon the only thing I can see that comes out of this positively for Fulham is that we may just keep hold of him for next season because I don't know if he's done enough to impress anyone else. Mm. But for the good of his career, I hope we sell him. I hope he stays in the Premier League and plays under a better manager with a better team because that's the only way he's going to improve. I don't think Fulham improve him next season if we keep him in the Championship. Yeah, I don't really see what he's got to gain from another season in the Championship. I should say we're Fulham haven't been relegated at mm. the time <laughs> of recording. We're just assuming that we are, going we down. have relegated them, yeah, but I, the Premier League haven't. What eleven points from safety? We're thirteen from safety. Thirteen. Yeah, I mean, we lose our next three games, we are mathematically down, yeah. and they are Liverpool, Man City, and Watford away. Oh wow! Okay. But we're recording this on the back of a weekend where Cardiff, Newcastle, and Southampton have all taken three points. Mm. Yeah, Fulham lost, which is obviously just. Well, yeah, stacks everything. Cardiff are the ultimate example of how to do it just completely differently. Um, they were sort of they weren't rated at all in the championship last season. I think people admired their like tenacity and their defensive ability, but their actual ability to play football was always overlooked. But this season, they've not invested massively in the squad. I don't think they invested particularly well, but they've kept together that core of the squad, as you said, mm. and that's got them over the line I don't, I don't know how many matches they've won this season in the last five minutes of matches it's because at home their fans are behind them and their players are wanting to play for each other this Fulham team don't want to play for each other and that's one of the main main issues I see do you think uh, do you think we're being harsh on the recruitment Joe oh not at all not at all like, because, like I said I, I, I think I, I, we all I, got carried away with it I took a look at their signings today and there's I'd say five or six names which stand out as just being in I should say in hindsight, but even at the time, some of them look like bad signings. So, for example, Fabry, we've talked about Markovic. He's made one sub-appearance. I don't think I'd seen Markovic play since his days at Hull under Marco Silva, which was, what, about two seasons ago? I think so, yeah. Um, So, why Fulham thought, oh, yeah, we'll pluck this guy out of nowhere to try and keep us in the I can uh, tell you why, because it was on the um, recommendation of one Alexander Mitrovic. (laughs) (laughs) That just sums it up, doesn't it? But you've got... Fozu Mensa on loan from United seven starts in the Premier League he's just not been good enough and Fulham wanted to cancel his loan to free up a domestic slot and United refused it in January yeah and Fozu Mensa I saw took to Twitter the other day to just apropos of nothing just to apologise for how bad he's been this season <laughs> which I've never seen before <laughs> no, no I've never I seen mean, that in a sense fair play but also that kind of just again sums it up doesn't it you say you've never seen it just a quick uh, intervention there Maitland Niles took to Instagram and replied to I think uh, 10 plus fans that have commented on his Instagram picture giving him abuse saying sorry for how bad he played <laughs> about three or four weeks ago but um, anyway back to you as you were saying um, yeah and there's a couple of other names that stand out uh, Luciano Vieto on loan he's a he's a forward might not play through the middle but one goal this season it's just not good enough um, and Anguisa, who I think has been the mm. worst of them all I mean some reports said he cost up to 30 million I think transfer market where we were looking said it was about 22-23 he's made 8 starts in the Premier League I know he's been injured and I know he had a suspension um, but he just looked so uninterested so underwhelming and he was one of the guys that was brought in on deadline day 
I believe. He, he, uh, yeah. It was a sign that just came out of nowhere. It was. That was. I don't thing. think many people even even heard of him. And then he came in. and He's just done absolutely nothing. You just think, what's his future at Fulham? Well, For nearly what twenty five, nearly twenty five million pound player. Is he going to play in the Championship? If he's not interested about playing the Premier League, which he doesn't look interested, no. is he going to be interested about playing the Championship? He didn't get he, back up. He wasn't a regular start at Marseille. At the time when you bought him, he wasn't a regular start for Marseille and you spent 25 plus a million. And that's a Marseille team as mm. well. Like They haven't been, you know, the Marseille that you'd expect them to be for quite a long time. I mean, they got to the Europa League final. Yeah, but they've not like, done an awful lot, have no. they? No. I think Angrisa was such a clearly, a, it's just such an obvious case of a man or a group of people looking at a statistical analysis of a player on paper and going, that's the kind of player we need without ever speaking to him talking to people who have watched him play it um, seems like it's one of them where you completely took the personal side out of it yes. and it was just literally looking at a piece of paper yes and was, seeing this guy is perfect for us it was very clear that he never wanted to come to Fulham like the first pictures of him in Fulham training were five days after we signed him we'd played a Premier League football match before he even joined the squad um and he never looked like he cared under Ikanovic. And it's true what you say. He's got absolutely no salon value. Mm. Well, he's young. But that is literally the only thing they're going for him. But, but what? So he's 25 million. He's come in. He looks uninterested, untalented. And sometimes I'd say when I've watched him play, it doesn't look like he's... he's I don't in, know what he's got. But And then what, what are you going to sell him for? 10 million? Yeah, there's not a chance you'd recoup that money. I was saying this to you the other day. I think he's just got loan moves to the he, Turkish he, Super he, he League. He will be playing in Turkey it, next it, season. Mm. Absolutely. Um, it, he's, he's looked more interested in the last three or four games probably because he's got to mm. kick up the arse from his agent going if you don't start playing well here you will be stuck here you need to start and a good relationship playing. with Scott Parker you were telling me there are so many pictures of him and Scott Parker like laughing and joking coming out of training I don't understand that like, maybe they play the same position and like if that's the only thing Parker does and he can actually coach him into playing that position better then fair enough and Scott Parker we'll move on to managers now and Scott Parker is actually I think which is quite common sense. We're not experts. Um, Recognise a lot of what we're saying in the fact there's been no consistency with selection. Like you haven't got a back four. And since he's come in, I do believe he's played the same back line yeah. in both games. Sessegnon and Kearney are back. back Sessegnon and Kearney, well. McDonald all back in the starting It's easy line management in that aspect that you have to bring yeah. in the two English lads who the fans like, who got you promoted, straight back in the team. Well, two of Fulham's three best players as well, I'd say. Mm, Kearney yeah. and definitely, yeah. definitely. Well, I mean, he's got five home games left, and I think he knows if he can get Cessna on the pitch, you get Kenny on the pitch, you get McDonald on the pitch, you're going to get the fans behind you. He got, you know, you get Tim Ream on the pitch, even. You know, he was, mm. he was, he was the fans' favourite player last season. There was well, the headlines with Mitrovic and Kenny and Sessegnon. Without Tim Ream, he wouldn't have been promoted. And he has unfor- been and, terrible this and season. But unfortunately, he got a back, back stress fracture, I think, right. in the playoff final. And so he was out injured until the end of September. And we had, he had he had no preseason, and because of the form we were in at the time, you kind of had to throw him into the team alongside Alfie Mawson, who also was just coming back from a really bad injury, mm. and it didn't work. And Speak- since then, Reem's confidence has gone. His any form we had from last season's gone. I think it was the game at Cardiff. Did you lose four two? Yeah, we lost four two. And I can honestly say I've very rarely seen a player have as bad an individual game as Reem had. As, as you as you say, he was he he may have been carrying an injury, but. He was unbelievably bad. Well, and Adoy next to him hasn't been much better. Adoy has been one of the worst Premier League footballers 
ever to have existed. <laughs> Let's leave that there. Let's leave that to her. <laughs> Let's go on to managers and Yukanovic. What do you make of his sacking? Like, it'll come in December, do you believe? Uh, in November. End of November. And uh, like I said, he got Fulham promoted. He had Watford promoted to the Premier League. And yes. this was his... Because he got immediately fired by Watford. But it took him four or five months in the Premier League to get sacked by Fulham. What do you make of the sacking, Joe? Um... I didn't think it was particularly harsh. I think he was he was dealt a bad hand this summer. As Ben says, he didn't really have the involvement in recruitment that he wanted. I think he was always kind of uh, clashing with the board and the recruitment team. Um, and then he was handed a whole bunch of players which he maybe didn't want, maybe didn't really know what to do with. But I think it's... If, if you're a head coach and you haven't got that kind of involvement in recruitment... You need to just say, well, if it's not up to me which players I buy, it is up to me which guys I pick. Mm. And you just pick the guys that you trust in. And so you saw with the selection, it was totally, it was totally different back four all the time. Different guys in and out every single week. So he didn't really help himself. Um, I can honestly say I can't remember anything quite like the selection no, under no. Jokanovic in the Premier League. Changing your back line that much, yeah, yeah. changing your midfield that much. Mitrovic the only constant in the side and he didn't adapt at all Jukanovic I admire uh, the football you played last year was, was really good I admire his desire to continue playing that possession style of football in the Premier League but after a few thrashings maybe you need to just say we'll batten down the hatches a little bit to be a little bit more pragmatic just until we get used to this level but if anything they just became a bit more expansive and it just got to the point where he was doing the same thing over and over again you're getting smashed week after week and I know he did a great job at Fulham, but I don't think his sacking was particularly harsh. I don't think Jukanovic knew what his plan B was. I think that was the issue. I think if he'd ever been in a position where he had to coach a team defensively, then... The plan B, as an Arsenal fan, I know this. Yeah. I know this idea very well. But just... As a Chelsea fan under Sarri. <laughs> <laughs> I think just... plan B? Yeah. I think just the, the idea that we were always going to be able to play that 4-3-3 formation... I mean, it was tenuous in the championship at times. Even when we went on that mad run, um, there were games where we were bailed out by brilliant performances by Bettinelli or brilliant performances from Tim Ream. That or Mitrovic. Or well, we, we didn't we didn't outscore teams an awful lot in that, in that run. There were a couple of matches where we did, but on the whole, it was we were, we were keeping clean sheets or only conceding one. And that, yeah, immediate. which is impossible to think when you think of oh, well, them that come up. We are almost certainly going to break the Premier League record for the most goals conceded in a season in a thirty-eight well, game with, season with Liverpool and Man City as your next two games. I think that is a very well. We need to we need to concede twenty-one, I believe, to match the record in nine. Games. Oh, you've definitely got that. And well. so there's probably seven or eight coming in the next two. Uh, it, it's not looking good, but it's deserved. We've not defended well enough. It, but there's very there are very obvious issues going into this season like Dennis Adoy was not going to be a good enough defender for the Premier League and he's probably started 20 games this season if not more um, We losing Ryan Fredericks and um, Matt Target is massive Matt Target was fantastic last season and the fact that Southampton were demanding £20 million I think for him I mean it, it looks good in hindsight it's easy but we should have paid that money for him He'd have been a much better investment than half the players he spent that sort of money on. There's also a certain naivety to the right-back situation. Like you said, Ryan Fredericks went to West Ham and you had bought Sirius Christie in January whilst you were in the Championship. And maybe like at the, at the time, two of your best players in your squad were right-backs. 
So you couldn't play them both. Sirius Christie sat on the bench with the idea of Ryan Fredericks was known to probably go in the summer. And then when you get in the Premier League, you'll switch back to your backup right back and it will all be good. Yeah. It's and these are the kind of decisions which just, they're baffling. What, if you know how much money you need to invest beforehand, and like these people, like the Cons aren't inexperienced when it comes to running a sports team. They would, they would have known for a long time how much it was probably going to cost this season to send Premier League if they couldn't find enough money to offer Ryan Fredericks a better contract to stay at Fulham then there is a serious issue there and I don't think that's just the Khans I think that's David uh, David Daly and Alistair McIntosh who are two of the directors who have, who were bit there when we last got relegated and were a uh, massive like massive, a massive part of that and they've kept their jobs and they've not advised the Khans properly but if they couldn't see that Ryan Fredericks probably needed a new contract then that's that's a serious issue. We will get on to uh, behind the scenes, but uh, you mentioned Khan, and you mentioned contracts, and you mentioned money, and then we lead on to Ranieri. Um, the, the second the safe manager, option, the safe option, Ranieri. No um, the gentleman returns. Yes. Um, well, it wasn't very, it wasn't good, was it? No, I have to point out that as a Chelsea fan, I have a soft spot for any area, and I think everyone. I think is, we all do. I, I think everyone has one. I think anyone who isn't a Fulham fan has a soft spot for any area. I definitely don't. Way, exactly. <laughs> anyone who isn't a Fulham fan, uh, just for, you know, the whole Leicester story was unbelievable. But I was working when he got appointed, and my first reaction was, "That's a strange appointment," um, because if you look at what he's done in the Premier League. Obviously, at Chelsea, he wasn't fighting relegation. But at Leicester, when he came in, his first season, which is when they won the league, they weren't fighting relegation. People thought they were going to be, but obviously they didn't because they were right at the top of the table the whole season. The next season, when they were champions, they were fighting relegation and he got sacked because they were close to being relegated. And then, uh, what was he, at Nantes? He had a pretty innocuous spell there. Um and then he rocks up at Fulham and yeah when I saw the press release from Tony Khan or Shahi Khan saying he's the safe choice there's no risk here you think that you're just inviting that to come back and bite mm. you aren't you absolutely um, and yeah as we know it didn't work out but my first reaction was that was a, that's a strange choice I wasn't confident when he was brought in honestly as you're right he had no experience keeping a side up um, I, think, I think he'd done it in Italy to be fair but maybe with Palmer like a long time long ago, ago a long time ago and and he this the context of this was he was around Fulham a lot because he has a lot, he regularly goes to attend the games he's well, living he in, in Parsons Green I believe yeah very very close to the stadium and so he was around the club and the Khans who are so invested in this stats business seem to ignore any kind of choice that was driven by statistics by success <laughs> who lives close and they chose the man who that is been... technically a statistic <laughs> uh, true, true that but they chose the man who had been around the club and they probably met on numerous occasions and just turned to him yes I mean it were... just it's so anti-Fulham and everything you do everything is a process be it a bad one a good one everything's a process and Ranieri just felt like you just turned to the caretaker it might be slightly off topic but in hindsight, would you have taken Allardyce or Moyes at that stage, late November? I, I probably wouldn't have done. I think I'd have been really up, I think I'd have been really upset if we'd have definitely brought in David Moyes. I think I'd been a slightly less upset if we'd brought in Allardyce. See, I'd rather have just... Moyes than Allardyce. I think he's a better manager. No, Sam Allardyce every day I of the week. Think really. Sam Allardyce... That's the safe option. The thing you spoke oh, about, no, the definitely. safe option is Sam Allardyce. You'd be in the Premier League it's... next season if Sam I Allardyce was appointed in November. Option, though. Uh, but what's maybe. he done to deserve that in the last? 
He's good at West Ham last season. He was fine was at he? West Ham. Yeah, yeah, he was fine. He, he, he did he did what he needed to do. I think I'd have been it would have been such a change in style from what Fulham fans were used to seeing at Craven Cottage that there'd have been a few there would have been fans who'd have been like, Yeah, I understand why Alice comes in. But can I we just he, imagine Allardyce and Mitrovic? <laughs> that is a match made in heaven. Yeah, <laughs> if but, I've ever <laughs> We'd have, we'd have never seen Tom Kearney again. No. We'd have never seen Tom Kearney again. Like, Adoria would have been quickly cloned, thrown out. Tim Green never play again. He'd have just cloned Kevin McDonald like eight times and just played him across everywhere. That's the perfect Allardyce player. No, I think Ranieri tried to keep us up like based on purely his reputation. Mm. He, didn't, I don't, he didn't do anything new tactically. He mixed the team up almost as much as Kanovic, if not more. And there was the you know the classic new manager bounce. He beat Southampton. We drew with Leicester, and and Fulham fans were like, okay, well he might have. We haven't seen a lot of change, but he might have just got something going in the in training. And it was very obvious that actually he did the complete opposite. He isolated our key players in the squads. You know, Kenny wasn't interested. McDonald's was told he could go, but he stayed. Johansson told him to go, and he did. Session wasn't playing. We brought in Ryan Babble, which you know. Yeah. As much as we all love Babel, that is a strange sign. It is, and he's actually been pretty good. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprisingly, he's been one of our best players since coming in. I thought that was a really bad signing to begin with. But you have to think, he was playing under uh, Ranieri instead of Sessegnon. If yes. Long term, what's the best option? It's not to yeah. bench your best player. There's a, there's a player we haven't mentioned yet who deserves mention purely for just, again, how awful he's been. That's Andre Schurler. Yeah. I've never seen someone care as little as he did on the football pitch. And there was quite a few candidates out there for, for this one. Fa- some fantastic goals, but, but he tries apart that from all that, the time. <laughs> yeah, that's you, a, I've literally you, seen him shoot so much this season from at literally anywhere. It's, and, he, and he pulled one off against Burnley. It was Burnley, wasn't it? Uh, he Cardiff. He one against Cardiff. Burnley as yeah, well. Burnley, yeah, Burnley. Yeah. Uh, Sarri got the one against Burnley. I mean, no, there was another one as well. Scored we scored lots Burnley, of nice yeah. goals against Burnley and we still lost to them. Um, <laughs> These are um, quite unfounded like claims but I think it's just a lot of opinion that's been going around is that Ranieri didn't even particularly know your squad well he was perhaps arrogant in some aspects for the way he approached it he didn't I think there was a press conference where he was asked is anyone injured and he said no yes and Alfie Mawson who'd spent 15 million 15 million on sorry and uh was who you were banking on for centre back the season was out injured and he just did he know? Did he just not mention it because it was long term? I'm not sure, but for me, it just and a lot of other people were saying that like, it just didn't seem like he was that interested. He, he wasn't interested. He's already gone to Roma. He's already which shows just how he's already been appointed he to Roma. I think within a week of being sacked by Fulham, it was close to that. Yeah, and he will not be fo- remembered fondly. Uh, it's it's like I was just saying, you know, I didn't think that he was the right choice. It didn't strike me as being a particularly sensible appointment. Um, and he's and lost I, nothing for this. And I, and I do have a soft spot for Ranieri from his time at Leicester and Chelsea, but I still feel really shortchanged by what he did at Fulham. Like, I just, I cannot point to one good thing that he what, did. What there. was his stamp on the team? No, exactly, nothing. What was his, like, All can you... What Parker's done is gone back to doing what should have been done, which is playing the best players in a system which seems to suit them a little bit more. That's exactly what you'd think of Ranieri to do, wasn't it? That's exactly what you'd think he did, and he didn't do it. No. I think there must have been a falling out behind the scenes. There must have been some sort of personnel issue. That's the only thing I can think of because he was playing. Uh, Ibrahim Assise, who got maybe one substitute appearance in the Championship, starts against Arsenal under Ranieri. We had, uh, most Fulham fans had never seen him play. This was with Kevin McDonald not starting as well. Yes. The defensive midfielder who was, I think uh, he's like the unofficial captain 
yeah, well, he of is, Fulham. Yeah. He's he the he was the leader. He's the one who gave the 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 talk, the talk after promotion. Yes, and yeah, he's he was Mister Fulham almost last year. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so Cisse, uh a player from the academy, essentially. No, academy. no, we signed him from a random Belgian team. Oh. He's not. A, he's not even like we haven't even got that to back Ibrahim Cisse. He's not even an academy guy. He just turned up one day. <laughs> but um, we'll move on from Ranieri and the, obviously the current manager is Scott Parker and that leads on to the future of Fulham so we're giving this podcast pretty much from the point of view that Fulham are relegated or I say pretty much entirely they from the point of view that yes. Fulham are relegated and um, I've just spotted David Luiz in the crowd from the Chelsea game <laughs> if, if you're watching the Chelsea game then you'll see him as well but, um, is he actually in the crowd is he? it was the exact <laughs> Not long left, come on. <laughs> Next week, we promise not to watch a football match while we're doing the podcast. We can't promise that. Mm, depends on we. Uh, There's no Europa League next Thursday. Let's do that again. We're fine. Oh, fine. Um, but yeah, so the future of Fulham. What is the future of Fulham? Is Scott Parker going to be there next season? Is there that, much thought of that as a long-term project? I don't think it's out of the question, but I think a lot of it comes down to the next nine games. And whether or not, I don't think the results matter. Results haven't mattered for, for months, really, for Fulham at this point. So let me go through the the squad right now and just give a few names. Tom Kearney stays or goes, Joe? Um, I'd like to think he stays, but he's older than you'd think. He's late 20s. 28, 28 yeah. Yeah, so I, th- I don't think he's been particularly good this season. And Scottish. not really, yeah. And Scottish. Scottish. I did call him an English lad yeah, in the podcast. Born, so, uh, he was born in England. But he uh, I thought Scotland. he was. Yeah, he's um, like, never, played in, never played a uh, competitive fiction yeah, Scotland because he still wants for... his England call-up. That's not coming now. Um, but I feel like Kane's age, he's got the ability to play in the Premier League for a, a decent team. I think West Ham um, have been after him for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've had a few bids apparently. Um, if I was Kane, I would want to move. I think he might. I think if we get a good enough offer for him. It'd probably be his last chance. Yeah. Okay, next one, Seri. Almost, almost certainly leaving. I can't. Yeah, it, that's he, another one. I feel like half the price recouped. I actually think he's been your best signing. He like, has been, and he's been slated by some Fulham fans who don't really understand what he does. But if you look at his statistics, he's been by far our best player in the middle of the park, like by a mile. He's actually claimed to have turned down and moved to Barcelona to join Fulham because well, Fulham he, were more invested in building a team with him in it. And making him a key player, whereas Barcelona weren't. I mean, we did, and then it all went to shit. Swearing on the podcast, oh, Ben. I have to say it's explicit now. We apologise <laughs> for that. If there's a... The sponsors are going to hate us. <laughs> um, Alexander Mitrovic. I absolutely love this guy, but will he be in the uh, Championship next season I, with Fulham? I think he's capable of playing for a top 10 Premier League team. I think he's a really interesting one, actually. He's like, a really good player. Um, he was someone who literally had never found consistency in any team before I loved him just because I'm a closet Newcastle fan and uh, loved him for absolutely no reason really considering what he's done but um, he thrives so much under Yukanovic because of the relationship he had with him he, he thrives so much because of having Sessegnon on his left who just understood where he was going to be in the box and yeah like I said that hasn't happened because Sessegnon doesn't really play that much yeah he's been he's been let down by the team around him um but only, only Messi and Ronaldo have had more shots this season than Alexander Mitrovic in the top five leagues. Really? Wow! It will be interesting to see if you can do re- replicate this format somewhere else, like another another team in the Premier League, which mm. I doubt, to be honest. Possibly, given how much he needs a team to build around him, it seems. Yeah, but I think it depends on where he goes. I think if he went, uh, you know, what if Watford managed to get into the top seven and they mm. brought him in, 
I think he's an ideal replacement for Troy Deeney. He doesn't have to stay in the Premier League, you know. He, I think oh, no, he could play I'd, in any of the top uh, European leagues. Bundesliga, I'd love to, maybe. I'd love to see I think he'd be good in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see him stay in England just so I can watch him more. He has been. He's been brilliant. Don't have TV outside of England. No, it's not Sky anymore. <laughs> Netflix doesn't exist. Um. Um, so we'll wrap up podcast. But I just want to ask you, what would be your plan if you're Fulham chairman right now, Joe? Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry for putting you in that position. Sell, sell the club. <laughs> What's your plan for next season? What are you doing? Um, well, first of all, you need to decide who the manager is going to be. I think, like Ben was saying, it's less about results now for Scott Parker. It's more about performances. I think it's a very similar situation to Darren Moore at West Brom last season in where he's worked at the club as a coach for quite a few years, obviously well-liked by the by the fans, by the players. Give him a chance. Moore was good for West Brom last season, deservedly got the job. He's obviously been sacked, I think it was this weekend, wasn't it? But West Brom were fourth. It's not like he's been doing a particularly bad job. So I think if Parker improves performances, if the players are clearly on his side, why not give him a, you know, a year or two's contract and say, it's your job to rebuild maybe not even say you have to get promoted just say a good season top half maybe push towards playoffs just to try and rebuild if he doesn't do a good job if it's clear that he's not the right man you need to go out and find it I think someone who isn't in the Ranieri mould you need someone more in the Yukanovic mould like a long term appointment is it possible um, to get Yukanovic back? well I think he's going to West Brom isn't he by the looks of things um, so yeah you need a new manager and just looking at the squad list as well I think one of Fulham's big problems this summer was the massive turnover of players. There's going to be a huge turnover again in the summer because you've got a lot of lone players who aren't going to stay. They're going to be going back. You've got a lot of guys like Anguissa, Seri, possibly Mitrovic, who I don't see staying. Um, so there's going to be a massive overhaul. But you've got some exciting young players, I think, as Fulham always seem to. And I think next season is a perfect time to put them in. I really hope that this leads to a uh, Fulham-based documentary on Netflix. <laughs> I think oh, that could know. be very interesting for next year. I mean, I'd love to see a documentary this season just to see where it's gone wrong. Because I think that's the kind of thing that Tony Khan would have absolutely loved after the playoff final. He'd have signed right up for that if he got the offer. Do you think so it's might... happened and gone straight into the bin? I think he might have <laughs> murdered all the documentary makers, possibly. Have you seen them making one of Sergio Ramos? Sorry to uh, digress. Yeah, because they were filming, weren't they, during the uh, yeah. IS game? And apparently they stopped filming and once they realised they were going out, <laughs> so they stopped. <laughs> so over to you, Ben. Plans for next season. What are you doing with the squad as well? Um, I agree with Joe in terms of the management. I think it's either stick with Parker or go with someone who's got you know a lot of championship experience. Uh, Lee Johnson's name has been bandied around a lot. Yeah, that'd He's be interesting. done really well with Bristol City on a limited budget. You know, They could still go up this season and if they don't, I'd like to see him. I'll try and make an effort to come in. He's a Fulham fan Did as well. Yeah. Really? Apparently, they exist outside of. <laughs> one, thing you know, one thing Fulham fans know is every single person who is also a Fulham fan. <laughs> yes, there's it's not many. So few. Um, then we've got, as Joe also mentioned, we've got a lot of really exciting youngsters coming through as well. If Ryan Sessignon does move on, we've still got Steven Sessignon, who I think. <laughs> how, many more Ses- how many more Sessignons have you got? <laughs> how many do you need? <laughs> Two, three, four, maybe for the championship. Get on the phone to his parents. <laughs> we need another one. <laughs> There's no time. <laughs> um, we've got Matt O'Reilly as well, who's a central midfielder. He's been linked with Dortmund. Yes, he has. And they've been watching basically every under-23s game. He has not got a first-time opportunity, but Dortmund wants to sign him. Make of that what you will. Yeah. Um, Cody Drama, who's just a great name as well. Yeah. Uh, he's been brought into the England under 18, set up as a right back. Obviously, way too early for him, but you know he'll be around the first team next season. We've also got two goalkeepers in the England setup, and you've got a, which might be handy. And you've got a great Championship centre back lined up. Alfie Mawson, when he does get, I fit. mean, 
He's been, he's he's been perfect, isn't he? He's aching been to get back in the championship he has for been, me. And I think he's, he's, he'll be ready once his knee's finally re- been reconstructed. I actually think Mawson's good. He was really good. Oh, yeah, he is good. Season. I think he's a good player. You just shouldn't have signed him when he was, again, in hindsight, so yes. obviously injured. It was amusing yeah. that he was clearly not a stats-driven signing, be it that um, the Cairns were tweeting alongside every signing they made and they were like saying, oh, well, this guy's been someone who's been on our radar for a long time. Our stats department love him. We're sure he's going to be a big success. It comes to Mawson and they're like, yeah, we like Mawson quite a lot. We, we're <laughs> welcome great. to the club. So it clearly was just, oh, look at this hearty centre-back. He'd be great for our back line. Like. But you saw, like, as the signings went on during the window, the, like, the statistical bit of his, like, um, talk would always get less and less on Den Day it was literally we've got Angrisa <laughs> I do like the transparency of that though. I do like the fact he's interacting yeah I also like how he calls out our fans who are twats when they are because you know they are right another swear we're going to end the pod there like, we, we can't <laughs> go I'm getting angry but we will continue to do these I'm not sure what our next topic will be if anyone is aching to hear us talk about something which I'm sure absolutely no one is well I mean yeah our expertise do do lie in London clubs apparently so we'll stick to that well we're about to watch Arsenal in their second leg against Rennes so let's see how that goes it might actually lead on to our podcast next week for your sake I hope it doesn't (laughs) I really hope it doesn't I, I enjoy talking about Arsenal but and I'm actually happy I had the season going, but I'll stop there. <laughs> I'm giving it all away. But um, yeah, so thank you for listening, if you still are. And this has been the return of Loco Sport. If you have come all the way from Loco Sport, then hats off to you. you, you <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you doesn't know who you are. <laughs> and thank you for joining us, Ben, and what was an emotional evening for you. Thank you very much. And uh, tune in next week for the next topic. <laughs>